Amen. As you have a seat, can you thank our worship team for leading us so beautifully this morning and every Sunday morning? It's an exciting time in the world, in our culture, and in our church. Just so you know, let me show you this. We'll show you this every week of this series so no one is confused of what the dates look like in December. Next week will be our last worship service of 2021 because from the beginning of our church seven years ago, a very small way that we thank the army of people that make Relentless Church possible each week is we take the Sunday after Christmas and we do not have a worship service in the building. We'll have something online and we invite you to worship God however you choose to, but do not be here in two weeks because the building will be locked and you will be alone, all right? So we have next week is our finale for 2021 and the end of our Christmas series. Uh, we'll take a Sunday to get our breath and then we'll come back strong January 2nd, uh, 10, 15 in 2022. I'm a numbers geek, right? So 2022 and, and today is 12, 12, 21, which I don't know if that's an anagram or I don't know what, no, no, I'm getting that. All right, but it's something, it's something cool, 12, 12, 21. Like I wasn't, I was a youth pastor back in the day. There was a 4, 4, 04 on a Sunday and there was a 10, 10, 2010 that was on a Sunday and it'll never happen again unless I make it another 80 years to 2000, whatever that year is, probably not, right? So this is as good as it gets for me and number geeking 12, 12, 21. I just wanted to share that with you this morning. Let's play a game. Why don't you guys um, help me out with this? Let me give the background for the game that we'll play. We don't play a lot of games. We're going to play a little quick game this morning. Um, have you ever heard of, of this uh, website app, GOAT, G-O-A-T, the GOAT group? All right, greatest of all time is the acronym, but it's a shoe app, right? Because shoes are crazy. And it started, if you, uh, I read about the story this week, there's a dude that, that bought shoes, these amazing uh, Jordans, grape, something or another, and they came and they bought them from some eBay guy and they came and they were fake, right? And he, and he started this whole deal um, where you can now go and, and their whole thing is they're verified, you can trust them, and now they're StockX and all that thing. So it's an industry, it's crazy. And, and you see it on the news these days, um, there's this crazy gift card scam going around, right? They're targeting older folks. Like when people call you and tell you, hey, I need you to buy gift cards and tell me, take a picture and send it to me, like red flag, right? Don't do it. So there's all these scams and, and there's all these things that people are buying to give to somebody they love for Christmas. And then they show up and it's not the actual what they thought they were buying. So we're kind of some sneakerheads in the Jones house. So you guys that know us, know us, know, us, know that about us. Um, so we're just going to play. I'm going to put a few uh, shoes on the screen, and you're just going to say out loud, it's always good for y'all that, that are not used to talking in church. There's no scripture that says you're supposed to be quiet, and I'm supposed to talk. In fact, God likes you to be engaged. So this is your chance to say one of two words. This is easy. I show you a picture. You either say real or fake. How simple is this game? All right, let's start with an easy one. All right, I have about 21% crowd participation. If you went to college, that's an F. That's not even close to a D, all right? So 21%, you are correct. The, the key is, is Nike is a little off there. It's not how you spell it. So let's, let's do a harder one. Next one, real or fake? Fake. That's a real shoe that somebody, that, that is butt crack Jordan. That is not how it's supposed to to look, right? You imagine opening that up on Christmas. Wait a second. All right, now that was better. Real or fake? Number three. Ooh, we got some disagreement. 
All right, that is real. Those are the Jordan 10 grays that just dropped yesterday and nobody that you know can get them, right? This whole fake random raffle that never, we never, Joneses are over a million in trying to get a shoe off the raffle. They make them so impossible to get, but those are, those are hot this Christmas. Those are real. Next picture. Fake, right? That's floating Jordan. That's not how he's supposed to, that's not him. All right, last one, last one, real or fake? What do you think? I want to be like Mike, right? Air Mikeys? Those are, those are fake Nikes. They just got the N wrong with the M. My, my kids know shoes. They, like I see a basketball game, say, hey, what's he wearing? And they know almost all the time. And, and here's the thing. Like, we made those easy, right? Because I wanted you to, like, if you got four out of five, that's 80. You passed the test. I want you to feel good about yourself this morning. But the truth is, you got to really know the real in order to spot the fake. Right. So, you know, if you, you don't have to know much to know the butt crack Jordan ain't real. Right. <laughs> but those are like the worst examples I could find. There's some fakes. What makes a fake a good fake? It looks a lot like the real. If you know people that work in um, the, uh, the part of the government that do counterfeit, like what are they like? How can you possibly study all the fake bills? What they tell you is we don't. We just study the real thing over and over and over and know every detail about the real and the better we know the real, the easier it is to spot the fake. In this Christmas season, here we come, church. It's the name of this series. It is harder than ever. We're a church for the untold, unconvinced. A lot of you are seeking and figuring out your faith, new to your faith. Some of you have been doing this a long time. All of us, all of us, it is harder than ever to be confident and sure of what is real and what is fake. And we could preach a thousand messages about fake gospel and fake this and fake that. Instead, we're going to focus on the real of Jesus and who he really is. The more you know the real, the more easily it'll be to spot the fake. But you have friends. I don't even have to know you. Some of you I've never met. Welcome. Welcome online. I forgot to welcome. Welcome everybody. I don't have to know you to know you know somebody who has said, I'm, I'm good. Don't invite me to church. I'm good with the Jesus. I'm glad that works for you. And the reason they've said thank you but no thank you is because what they think of when they think of Jesus or church is the fake version. They've rejected a version of Jesus that Jesus himself would reject. And it should bother us, church. It should weigh on us that there's people in our lives, 700,000 from our best guests in Wake County who have rejected or don't know or aren't connected to the real Jesus or his church. And if people reject the real Jesus, like we can sleep at peace with that. That's not what we're experiencing. We're experiencing people over and over and over that come to this gospel-centered, forever-focused, multi-ethnic movement, and they say some version of, if I would have known this is what it really was, I'd have been here years ago. They don't know. They, no one's helped them know, but well, how do you know what's real? Right? What's the real Jesus? What's, what's not real? And there's, If you guys didn't know this, we don't, a lot of preachers don't like to talk about this. There's no process you have to go through to get the church on your sign. It says relentless church out there on the road. Like you can believe anything and teach anything and say anything and you can be called a church, right? There maybe was a day, I doubt it, not in my lifetime, where you could like, hey, it's churches on the sign, so that must mean this. It don't mean nothing, right? So there's all, the culture is confused, like what is and what isn't. So today, and, and here we come, like last week we opened this up and we just said, Christmas this year, if we can focus in on why Jesus came as a baby, 
what was his purpose and like why he came, which will help us understand why we're here. Like, why do you exist? If we know why he came and why we're here, then as a church, as we turn the calendar here in a few weeks, we can talk about here we come. So we're going to take another step into that. And I'm going to give you something like, wait, how do I sort out? Because it, it, this is, you got to filter me. Like, please, I love this church. I love, uh, man, this morning and what's already happened and Kim Branch's prayer. It's so humbling for her to pray for me and others pray for me as I come to preach. And in that and with that, you still are supposed to filter me, right? The, don't, don't assume I'm up here on a stage a few feet higher than you and it must be true. Right? That's, that gets us into all kinds of trouble. The scripture is true. We can trust that's where I'm trying to preach from. But, but every human has to be filtered through the truth of scripture. Right? So I'm going to give you something this morning, straight from scripture, that when you're like, you know what? That don't feel right. They're attaching this to my Jesus. They're attaching this belief. They're attaching this maybe um, you know, political garbage. They're, they're, they're attaching this uh, whatever, whatever, whatever. How do I know if it's real or not? Well, this is going to be a great tool to know, hey, here's who Jesus is. And if this is who we'll be as a church, then man, here we come. I'm going to start in Mark chapter 10, verse 41, where Mark tells us, when the 10 heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Now, I don't normally start right in the middle of something like that. Where I told my son earlier today, he's running our slides this morning. I said, please don't ever say that word, indignant. It just sounds like a bad word. It's not, but it just sounds. I don't like to say it. Uh, I kind of do like to say it. But indignant, it just, uh, it's just a fancy word that smart people use in, instead of the word mad because they want to make you feel like you're not as smart as them. All right? So our English translators thought, hey, we could just say what it means or we could use this word and whatever. Right? It just means they were angry. Right? But it's not like a little perturbed. It's like, ooh, I just used a big word, perturbed. It just means mad or, or angry. So why are they mad? Here's what happened right before this. What happened right before this, these guys, this baby that was born in the manger kind of was low-key as a teenager, as a kid. And then all of a sudden, Jesus became known and started his ministry around the age of 30. And he starts to talk in ways that people don't talk and calls out the religious system and, and claims to be not just a representative of God, but actually God in a human body, the son of God. And I got him in all kinds of trouble. And, and he's got these guys and these women uh, that are his followers and, and there's a growing group and he's doing crazy miracles. And at this point in, the, in, in Jesus' life, the 12 disciples, like they're all in and they're getting ready to go to Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem, he's got, it's gonna get real because there's people that are gonna come at him. They've been coming at him the whole time and he's handled all of it. And they think he's gonna, he's gonna overthrow the Romans that are oppressing the Jewish people. Like he's gonna institute a new government by God with Jesus as the dictator, president, everything. So James and John, they come to him and they say, hey, Jesus, you're the man. You're the man, we know that. But when this all goes down, when you're about to do whatever you're about to do, could we, James and John were brothers, could we, could we be your vice presidents? Like, could we be, we're not trying to be number one. Could we be two and three, right? That's what just happened. Well, it says the 10 were not just mad, they were indignant. Why were they mad? Well, we don't know exactly. We have two, two most likely options. One, they were like, how could, how could, like Jesus is, that's not what we're about. Why are you trying to get the power? Like, come on guys, like Jesus has been teaching us all this stuff and then you're gonna go ask for the, for the right and left seat. That's what they want. We wanna sit to your right, to your left when you come into your power. That's an option. More likely, they were mad because they're like, 
Oh, they beat us to it. Right? We didn't know we could ask for that. Like, we've all been thinking it. But now James and John, they just went first. They were bold. Now they're going to get our spot. So, so that's kind of the scene. And we're going to see, man, why Jesus come, who he, all that is wrapped in. Do you want to know what the, if, if I'm, am I dealing with a real church of Jesus? Like, this is so crucial. 42, Jesus called them together. It's one of those moments like, hey, okay, huddle up. Like, everybody, everybody, listen, eye contact. Listen, this is important. Everybody. And he said this. You know that those who regarded, those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles, lord it over them, right? When you're in charge in the Gentile pagan world, like you let people know I'm over you. Their high officials exercise authority over them, right? He says, this is obvious. It's obvious 2,000 years ago. It's obvious today. When you get power, right? You let people like, I've earned this. this I, like you let people know you exercise that authority over people. You climb the ladder. Verse 43, Jesus says, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave to all. Now we're going to leave that up for a second. That's just an insanely powerful countercultural verse. But here's something else we need to do. Because we're a multi-ethnic church, right? There, there's some places maybe that I could go and guest preach and preach that verse and nobody would think anything. But that's not us, right? And that's not me. That's not who we are. And we, we need to address this. We have, but it's been a while. We need to address this because there is a, a loud section of society today that are speaking to people all people of all races, but specifically to African-American people and saying, that's the white man, right? Christianity is a religion of oppression. Christianity is the tool that was used in order to enslave people, right? So, so we need to address that real quickly. A few things. Number one, right? We, we, we get so narrow, right? That case falls apart when you study history. The roots of Christianity are deeply connected to the continent of Africa, all right, we, we tend to focus on the last 400 years of history, but you go back to Jesus and the following centuries, the first 1,000 years of Christianity existed, right? Before it ever got to Europe, before it ever got to any European white anything, it was deeply entrenched in Africa. We have roots of how we are. The church of Jesus has deep roots post-Jesus in Africa, right? That's first. Second, we need to admit, and I don't know why this is so hard for us to say out loud, we need to acknowledge that verses like this in the New Testament and others were abused and used and preached in the last hundred years from preachers to justify different laws or lack of laws or voting or even going back to, to slavery. The scripture was twisted in order to say to slave owners, God's good with what you're doing. Like, it it's not hard to find, right? Go, go look at it. And they use uh, a lot of verses from Old Testament, New Testament, stuff like this. Uh, main one is, is a verse in Ephesians where Paul says straight up, he says, hey, uh, servants or bond slaves, some translations, uh, obey your earthly masters, right? That, that was the most popular verse in that time where, where they would preach that to uh, to slave owners, to make them feel good about where they were, or preach it even to slaves, right? So that's where kind of that case comes from. It's, right, but the truth is, like Jesus uh, teaching the gospel, all of that is so anti 
slavery. So, and I could preach a thousand hours on that, but I'll just say this for this morning. First, when scripture speaks of slavery, it's not the same thing as what we experienced in 1619, which eventually, you know, what we know as America, right? I'm not saying it was all beautiful in the first century and slavery was cool and no big deal. There was oppression for sure, for sure. But when the scripture speaks to uh, bond slaves and most likely, not always, most likely I have lost my family or lost my money, lost my job. Maybe it was my fault. Maybe I wasn't. I don't have many options. You got a good business going on. I need a job. I will sell me and my family to you. We will work for you. We'll do your chores. We'll do everything that you need us to do. And and if you will hire us in five years or three years or 10 years, we will earn enough money. You will release us. We'll get our freedom back. So we're we're willing to become your servants slash slaves in order to gain our freedom back. Right now, now that can get all kinds of bad, like you know that was abuse or whatever, but that is not anything comparable, right? When, when we see the scriptures and it's talking about slaves or services, nothing in the context even hints or sniffs of a scenario where people are murdered, kidnapped, put on a boat, brought across an ocean, forced uh, to work for other people without being paid and separated from families and mistreated, abused in every way imaginable. None of that is in the context of what we see in the scripture. So, so that's not all the same thing. Now, well, then why did, why did people use those scriptures? Well, because if you didn't know, you can get scripture to say whatever you want it to say. If you don't care about context or Greek or study or history or research, I mean, you go around 2021, you don't have to go far. Like if I already know what I want you to believe, I can find a scripture to help you believe it. That's scary, right? That's why we got to know our stuff and know the scripture. We're helping, right? But, but I just can't. Zoom past a verse that talks about servant and slave. Uh, just know that the Bible doesn't preach it. It doesn't defend slavery in any way. Yes, there's some verses that speak to people in tough situations, right? So it's still going to speak to you. That doesn't condone it. In fact, uh, there's a some, you know, four hours from here, you can go to Washington, you can see the slave Bible. It's in a museum. They took Exodus out. They would give slaves Bibles. They took Exodus out. Why? Because Exodus, and not just Exodus, but Genesis all the way to Revolution, Revelation, there's a common theme of freedom and liberation, right? This baby that we celebrate, he came, what, to free us from what? Death, sin, and hell, right? It's all about freedom and, and Egypt and how God freed the slaves and Jesus came to free us so they would remove that because they didn't want them to know about freedom. Just know and trust scripture is anti-oppression. Like Jesus said, I came for the oppressed and the poor. You don't have to worry about this Jesus being somebody who condones what we saw and experienced in our country as slavery, right? So when it says... Whoever wants to be first, because this is beautiful. Some of you grew up in a system where greatness was not allowed in the church. Like Jesus, no, we're humble, so we don't want to be great. Stop. Jesus says, now I want you to be great, and I'm going to tell you the path to greatness. It's being a servant and a slave. It is placing yourself willingly, not by violence. It is placing yourself willingly underneath other people. Not because you have to or because society says you're less, but because you choose to, because Jesus is that. And because Jesus is that, you are that as well. Here's how Jesus ends that little talk with his guys. He said, for even the son of man himself did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Even Jesus said, I, I didn't come to, I didn't come to, 
be served. Like, there's a day where he'll come and we'll all bow down and, and we worship him every week. Yes, yes, yes. But, but he came as a baby and we celebrate Christmas, but he came for a reason and he came that he would serve us. And we know how he served us. He served us by going to a cross and dying for our sins. He, he didn't come as a king. If I'm, if I'm calling the shots, if I'm producing the whole birth of Jesus, like I'm doing fireworks, I'm doing it way different. I'm not, I'm doing, it's the best show in the history of the world. Instead, we got, we got some cool, we got some angels singing, but we got shepherds and it's out there in the, in the sticks and it's, it's nasty and it's a manger. It's just so, why? It's no, no hint of a king because he wasn't coming for that. He's coming to serve us. So our phrase for today is that in this Christmas season, as we lean into Jesus, that he'll call us to live lives as a servant and choose servant over selfishness. Those are the things in direct contrast, servant over selfishness. Selfishness just meaning, you know, let, let's define selfishness, right? Here's a definition. Self-centered concern on self without regard for others, right? Because I wouldn't say, hey, God is calling us to choose to be servants over self, Right? It's important to take care of yourself. Some of you are going so hard in this Jesus season, right? You're about at the end, and we're only on December 12th, right? When you take a day for you, that's not selfish, that's self-care. You got to know this between self-care and selfish, right? Selfish is I'm all about me, right? I'm all about me, and I don't care about you. That's selfish, that's sinful. Self-care is, hey, if I'm going to be of any worth to anybody, I need to take a minute. Right? So that's not selfish, that's self-care, no difference. But Jesus coming and doing and all that, he's going to lead us, church, to be servants over selfishness. Now that's hard, right? It's hard just to embrace serving. It's easy to embrace selfishness. We do that pretty well, pretty naturally, without much help. In fact, the scripture would teach us not that it's hard. The scripture would teach us that it's impossible. So that should be freeing for some of you. Hey, here's the life of servanthood that God has called you to. You're unable to do it. Go and have a great week, right? (laughs) It is only through the empowering Holy Spirit in you. Jesus, God gathered his disciples together. Some of them were wanting spots of power. They were completely confused about what he was about to do and accomplish and all that anyway, right? So he calls them all together. Yes, like, yes, this is how society works. You climb, you get, you dominate, not us. Here's how it's going to be. You want to be great? I want you to be great. Here's the path to greatness for Jesus, people, for all time. You serve other people. I didn't come to be served. I came to serve, to give my life as a ransom. You're not going to die on a cross like I'm going to, but you're going to live this servant life, wherever you go, whatever you do, and you're unable to do that unless you invite me in, you surrender your life to me, and the Holy Spirit comes to live in you. So the Jesus that lives in you, if you've surrendered your life to Jesus, if you're a Christian, a follower, a baptized believer of him, and he lives inside of you, right? Sometimes our language gets all mixed up. We do invite the Lord in here every Sunday in the Holy Spirit and his presence, but he doesn't live here. Right, we're, we're, Jesus goes. With, Jesus lives inside of us. We are temples of the Holy Spirit. The Old Testament had a temple where God kind of resided, and now the beauty and the miracle of the gospel is Jesus lives in us. So the servant that Jesus is and was now lives and helps and guides us to take that into this world, our lives, all of that. But it's not easy. 
On our own, we'll always default to selfishness. It's going to look different for you and me. And, and we need to talk like Jesus is such a beautiful time of year, and I love all the traditions, but man, we forget how easy it is to be selfish, specifically in December, <laughs> right? Sometimes this can really ramp up our selfishness. It's not just about materialism and consumerism and gifts and all that. Sometimes it's just about choosing us. Sometimes it's about sin. At the end of the day, sin is I choose me over God and what he said. I trust what I want more than him. Let me illustrate it this way. Check out, I don't want to make you hungry. I don't mean to do that, but um, check out this delicious breakfast I've been in on lately. Anybody, anybody fans of the strudel? Yeah, yeah, college kids. Yep. So, so I'm a creature of habit. Uh, Don't judge me, but for about 13, no, it was more than that. For about 17 years, unless I was out of town, I I ate frosted mini wheats every morning for breakfast. That's just all I ate, right? And, and like, like we, like we're evolving, like everything is new and fresh. It's a beautiful time. We're coming out of this pandemic. And it's like, you know what? I'm changing. So I've been trying some other stuff, you know, some healthier stuff and some strudels. And I had this thought the other day. So when you have, you've seen these, like the strudel is whatever, right? It's all right. But it's that icing, right? So you squeeze the icing out of the plastic, which is like, I feel like raft. I feel like I'm cooking, right? When I'm doing that, I'm like, yeah, I can do this stuff. I'm cooking because I'm putting stuff on stuff. Raft's not in here. So uh, he's with a kid. Don't tell him I said that. Um, so I do that, and I do, and at the end, like I get it, I do my stripes, or maybe I do something fun, make a smiley face, whatever. At the end, there's always a little bit left in the plastic, and I had this thought, and I just want to share it with you. The other day, I, you know, you squeeze it up to the end, and you lick that little cream cheese, and I just thought, Lord, I haven't tasted everything in the world, but I just can't imagine there's anything better. <laughs> anything better, like. All the money people pay for this and that, and well, like, have your whatever you have, but like, is there anything in the whole world better than just the cream cheese? I don't, I don't know. You like, don't be mad at me, right? That's me. But I thought of that to this. I, I haven't studied it because I don't want to know. Don't email me. I don't think it's great for me, like physically. <laughs> I don't know what's in cream cheese. It's something divine, I, but it's it's probably not nutritious, right? And then I thought, of course not. Like, we're a mess in America as far as, like, what we eat. And then you think back, it's like, if this stuff, because I used to be like, it's not that bad for you. And as you get older and you see what happens to people, it's like, maybe we shouldn't have done that, right? And you're like, well, how did they get by with that? Like, how can they sell that if it's so bad for us? And it's like, because it tastes good, right? Well, nobody's thinking at McDonald's, and McDonald's has salads, so, you know, if you see me at McDonald's, I'm getting, just assume I'm getting a salad, right? How? But nobody's thinking about long-term, right? As a servant, it wasn't a, like Jesus in the moment. Hey, guys, come on, come on, come on. I'm going to a cross. You don't even get it yet. I'm here to serve you. And you're going to live and be great as servants. But, but that sounds great. Woo-hoo, let's go serve. Well, the problem is it's in constant combat with selfishness. And just like the strudel, like it's delicious in the moment. You know how I believe that scripture is from God and not from man? A hundred ways. But one way that I believe that scripture is from God through man, not from man, is because it's honest about sin. It actually tells us in scripture that it is pleasurable. 
Some of you grew up in a religion where they would never admit that. Like they scare you. Like if you commit, they would make stuff up that's bad that's going to happen to you just to try to keep you from not sinning, which never works long term. It only creates religious misery, right? But scripture is honest and says, hey, it's going to taste good for a minute. But it's not what you were made for. And if you live the life of selfishness, which is so easy outside the church and even inside the church, how easy is it to hear? How, what is your heart telling you? That's advice. What is your heart telling you? Here's what God would say. Usually the wrong thing. Right? My heart's telling me I just need to do this. Well, how often is your heart matched up with God? That depends on how much you're seeking him, how much you're in his word. My heart, when I'm not seeking God, is almost always wrong. It's that temporary selfishness that we're conditioned to follow that is going to be in contrast to the servant that God has called us to be. We got to remember who we are in the moment. You're going to have a temptation this week. Like, Pastor, why are you coming with? It's Christmas, man. We're not getting tempted. Oh, yes, you are. You're getting tempted. I don't know if there's one month with more temptations than the other 11, but if you make me pick, I might pick December. Our guards are down. We're worn out. We're tired. We're stressed. We're naturally thinking about all the things that we got to get, whatever, whatever, whatever. And it's beautiful. I'm not trying to be Scrooge up here. Like, I like Christmas, right? I do. But man, you will have a moment, most likely today, where there's something in you selfishly, like, this is what I want to watch. This is what I want to do. This is what I want to say. This is what I want to go. This is what I want. And there's nothing wrong with what I want. Versus, I belong. I wasn't kidnapped and forced into, no, I was bought with the blood of Jesus. He gave his life to free and rescue me. And now I am called to live a life of a servant because that's who my Jesus is and was and will always be. And he lives inside of me. And there's a contrast between that and whatever temptation you're going to run into. There's this crazy little nugget of wisdom in, in the book called Hebrews, where, where I just showed it to you, Hebrews 12, 6, it says, see that no one is sexually immoral or godless like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights, right? If you know the story of Esau in the Old Testament, he was a uh, twin brother with Jacob, and, and he was supposed to get the inheritance because he was the older brother. Even though they're twins, he, he came out first, so he was the older, right? So it was all there for him, and he was a hunter, and he had gone, and he had had a bad day, and he comes in, and Jacob's cooking, and, and Esau's hungry, and he's a whiner. Anybody got any whiners when they're, like, they're a great person until they're hungry, and they're like, who are you, like the Snickers commercials? He's just whining, right? And Jacob is like, hey, I got this stuff going. I'll give you, like, give me your inheritance, and I'll, and I'll feed you. And we're reading that, and we're like, who would do that? I would, right? When I'm, when I'm hungry physically or, man, when I'm tired and, and, I'm, and I'm discouraged and, and my guards are down and I'm wondering if God is with me and I'm, no, I'm wondering what's going on in that, in that moment, man, I will sell out everything I am and everything I know for a temporary pleasure, for a temporary escape. For a temporary relationship, for a temporary corner that you will cut in your job, for a temporary word that will feel good to say in an argument but will cost you more than you ever want to pay in that relationship. We are Esau, 
And without Jesus, we will keep being Esau, but, but Jesus calls us, hey, no, 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 choose to be. Who are you in the moment you're a servant of Jesus? You don't belong to you. And it may taste good, and it may feel good. That's not who you are. We live, we are servants of the Most High King, and we are happy to be so. I look back on my life, and not just my life, but I, you know, talking and lives that I've gotten to follow and be in on. I've never been and never met anyone who's regretted surrendering to Jesus. I got this decision. I don't know what to do. I'm kind of feeling like this. And deep down, you maybe know. Maybe you don't. I'm just confused. I got to, I, I've never had a testimony or heard anybody honestly sit down and say, listen, I knew what God was calling me to do. I, I just went this way, um, and, and I have no regrets. I've never heard that testimony. Every regret I have is somehow attached to a lack of surrender and serving of Jesus. So when we say serving, man, we're not talking about, we naturally think of, oh, go serve the poor with love from Jesus. Great opportunity for Saturday. We preach this and get you there. No, that's not where this is, right? We have needs. We'll be talking about some things in 2022 as a church. We're going back to two services. We'll be announcing that date. You should be excited about that. We are, but that, that we didn't want to, that's not, it's not to get you to serve a church or go serve the poor for an hour or two a month. Like that's not, that's not what this is. It's bigger than that. It's better than that. And it's not, it's not punishment, right? Well, Jesus went to a cross. Man, that was brutal. I believe that. Well, then that's the least I can do. I can, I can go help some people out. Okay, you know, it's sacrifice. No, it's who we are. Like, it's who we want to be. It's not a punishment. It's a joy, right? Joy brought the, the testimony of her name and joy. Like, it is a joy to us. And maybe, maybe you're not experiencing joy and you're thinking, man, do I have the real thing? And if you do the counterfeit Jesus, which is all about you and how can you be blessed and how can really the world bow down and God as a genie serve you and give you what you want, you're not going to have joy, right? You're, you're going you're gonna to be empty eventually. Maybe God's calling us back to the real. How do I know if it's real? Well, Jesus said, hey, this is the real. My people are going to be notified. They're going to be recognized. They're going to be servants. And they're not going to be un, you know, mad, mopey, like, okay, I'll serve. That's what we got to do. No, they're going to be, this is a joy. Why? Because the gospel. Because I was hopeless and helpless and headed to hell. I had no way to go before a righteous holy God and offer anything that would be of value. I had no way to be anything but empty. And a baby was planned and sent by God to go to a cross to rescue and adopt me and make me his own. And because Jesus served, I serve because I'm connected to Jesus. And the closer I get to Jesus, the more you can't stop me from serving. You don't have to manipulate me or make me feel this way. Like I'm going to be a servant, not on a, on a Saturday morning once a month. I'm going to be a servant wherever God puts me because that's who I am. It's who I'm becoming. We have these statements we like to say. Um, if you've been around, you've heard them. Um, and, and they're deep into us. They're not just cute because they're alliterations, if that's the right word, when they start with the same letter. Right? It's not just that. Like, they're deep into who we are. All right, here's a few that we talk about a lot. We talk about relationship over religion. Right? There's a big difference. We, we did a series about that. We saw people come to Christ that 
that had never surrendered to Jesus because they thought they were Christians and they, they had been really religious, but not Jesus followers. Relationship with Jesus, that's why you we talked about that last week. Um, transformation over transaction. Like we're changing every day, every week. That's why we can't wait to get together. It's just a constant. None of us are where we were. None of us are where we're going to be. And it's not pressure in that. There's just joy and beauty that the God of the universe would come and enter my life and put his spirit in me and then slowly but surely make me like Jesus supernaturally. It's a miracle. It's real. Well, I'm adding one to the list. And before I show you that, I just, I just want you to know these things bring joy. These are the real. There's a lot of fake, and sometimes religion can, can sound like relationship, and sometimes transaction, you know, can get confused with transformation, but, but the ones on the left, that's the real Jesus. That's what he wants. The one, they're fake. They're counterfeit. They're empty. They don't fulfill your life, but the one that fits today that we're going to add to our list when we start saying these, we're going to throw the L one into is lifestyle over list. Right? When I say list, I'm talking about a to-do list. And I grew up in that. That kind of serving was a to-do list. Listen to this. This is crazy. I went to a Christian university. Most, not all, but most people at the time in the 90s were at this university, KCU, Kentucky Christian University, to, to be, go into the ministry. So I was going to school with a ton of people that um, were studying to be pastors of some sort. And they had what they called Christian service hours. You can't graduate unless you do so many Christian service hours each semester. It was required, and if you had to have whoever you did, the Christian service, whatever organization, you had to have them sign off of it and turn it in. Basically, threats and force a bunch of people studying to be ministers and pastors, you've got to serve or you don't graduate. And I get it, right? It's not all bad, and right? There was some good that came from that, but, but man, like, I had to. There was no joy in that. Oh, man, it's December this time of year, or actually last week, right before finals. Oh, no. Did you do it? No. Like, where, where, where can we find where we can get the most hours, the easiest, maybe slack, and the quickest, and have somebody that doesn't really care how long we're there? We actually, they actually made a sin, right? We lied about how many hours we did just to get through. I don't even know if that takes my diploma away. I'm sorry if it does, but you know what I'm saying. Apply that to you to do like we could talk about with love from Jesus. You know what I love when I get to go to with love from Jesus? I see your faces. And I see people there and there's no hint of, well, you know, our church does this, so I should probably give it a I haven't been. No, no, it is a lifestyle. It's not a to-do list. We're not checking off. Have you served this month? No, 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 no. You're serving wherever you go. You go to your job tomorrow, you're a servant. No, you don't understand. I'm the boss. Even more so. The more people you have influence over, the more Jesus serving you need to have in you. Right? You go to your dorm room or back to your dorm room or home to your family or in your neighborhood or with whoever, wherever you go, it is a lifestyle. That's what we're trying to become as a church, not, not sign up for this, because we, need, we have those needs. When we go to two services, when we announce that in 2022, it's a few months away, man, we got all kinds of needs. What we want is, oh, no, you know, they need help. I should probably, no, we like, hey, I'm a servant. You give me a shot. Like, I'm looking not just for Sunday morning for a few hours. That's what I do all the time. I'm walking into a gym. I'm coaching a team. I'm walking into a meeting. I'm sitting down with my family, and Jesus is in me. So the constant thought is, he came to serve. I'm here to serve. And sometimes it's, I don't know how to do this. That's all right. 
Holy Spirit in you will guide you and help you. It's freeing. Some of us want to dominate and be smart and be this and make a difference. Sometimes, you know what? Stop. Just serve. How can I bless you in this conversation, in this relationship, in this meeting, in this week? Sometimes it's really hard, but it's really real. You know, there's proof of transformation in me by the story I'm about to tell. Because I used to, you know, I tell you all the time, um, we're a church that gets behind the Carolina Panthers because that's what God has called us to be. Um, and some of you are like, I don't care about football. That's just, just pray for them. And you don't, have to know, you don't have to know anything else, right? Just be with us in that. Some of you, they're your second team. Even We've allowed some of you even to have two teams ahead of the Panthers. And as long as they're in the top three, we're okay. So we unite around that. We talk about that, right? What I don't talk about hardly ever is college sports, right? Some of you know my parents met Fell in love at the University of North Carolina. It changed my family tree. I was raised in Tar Heel, proud Tar Heel. But I say that like once every three years. Why? Because some of you, if I say it at the beginning of this message, you wouldn't hear anything I say. Because college sports around here, if you're out of town, you moved here, like it is intense and deep and so, mm, man, it is, you can't, I, I don't ever wear my colors on stage because honestly, I'm not joking. Some people could not hear the gospel from a guy with Carolina Tar Heel stuff on. Like, that's what it is around here. So I don't talk about this much, but I can talk about this because I was on the losing end, right? So a couple weeks ago, some of you were in the, in the stadium. Some of you left early and claimed that you didn't, but whatever. <laughs> NC State, North Carolina State and UNC were playing football. And the game was over and won. ESPN put like a 99.9% chance like, uh, of, of UNC winning. They were up. Uh, uh, you don't even need to know football. They were up a bunch with a minute. It was over. All you had to do was do a few simple things, and NC State scored kind of a ridiculous touchdown, but it's still, it's still over because the only way they could win the game is if they did what's called an onside kick. It's the longest shot. It's the most ridiculous. It never works, right? It never works. It occasionally works when you don't know it's coming. Everybody in the world in the stadium knew they're going to onside kick. All we got to do, all we got to do is catch the ball. The game is over. Right? The game is up. So they do an onside kick, and, and the miracle happens right there in Carter Finley Stand. They recover the onside kick. Now, here's the point they were still losing the game. Right? They had this crazy touchdown, and then they had the miracle. They were still losing the game. I wasn't in the stadium. I was watching, but I have a special connection through my TV. I, I'm kind of there, right? <laughs> I knew I could feel it, whatever, 15 miles away. You guys are in the stadium. The game, you could already feel who was going to win the game. Once the miracle happened, the scoreboard said NC State was losing, but the, what we call in sports, momentum, oh, it was coming, right? It was like, you can't let that happen, and now it happened, and you know what's about to happen, and it did, and they won the game. I, don't, I like it. I like the feedback, but not right. I don't need that, right? I don't need that. I don't need that, Zach, all right? The miracle had happened, the scoreboard just needed a minute to catch up, right? As a church, here's why we're preaching this at Christmas, right? The miracle already happened. God said, my people will never get to me. I've got to go get them. And he did it through a baby that grew into a man that died on a cross. And in his life, he said, here's what we're going to be. And I'm going to show you how to do it. I'm the God of the universe in a human body, and I'm still going to serve. So the miracle happened in the manger and on the cross. Now, today, sometimes, I don't know about you, it feels like we're losing. 
but the miracle already happened. The scoreboard will catch up. We win this thing, right? We got to live that, feel that, know that. And if we, how do we get there? Come on, what do we do? We serve. That's who Jesus is. He's in us. That's what we're going to be known by. That's what what we get a chance to go do. It's what excites us. And church, here we come. What are we coming with? We got a big, you know, a lot of churches, no, 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 nothing wrong with this. A lot of churches, end of year giving. No, it's not a list. It's It's like, we're coming with serving, right? It's a lifestyle. We are blessed as a church because people make giving a lifestyle instead of doing an end-of-year thing, right? We're, here we come. What are we coming with? A big, a big this, a big... No, we're coming with a big Jesus who already came for the miracle. The scoreboard's coming. We just got to walk in the lifestyle of serving. Who are you going to... Who are you going to just get to be Jesus' loving servant's heart to this week, today? It might be the guy on the street. It might be through with love from Jesus. That's great. It might be your family. It might be somebody that you would never even dream of serving. That's who you are if you're a follower of Jesus. If you're not a follower of Jesus, man, we'd love to talk to you about that because that's why he showed up. We talked about that last week, to save sinners. So it gets us most excited. And if he does call you and you do accept that call, then you know what you're going to be? You're going to be a servant. We're going to choose that over selfishness, individually, families, corporately, and as a church. Let me ask you to stand up. Let's pray that we can walk in that. We cannot do it on our own. We'll fall flat on our face. But he's going to help us. Father, we, we don't want to live selfish lives because the, the truth that we know is they're not we know that's not what we're here for. And God, we, we, some, some people are going to get some shoes in a few weeks for Christmas, and it's going to be awesome. It's going to be the best thing ever. I got the best pair of shoes, and it won't be weeks or months until there's something new. Hey, well, maybe this, the, the next big thing. God, we thank you that we don't have to keep coming up with the next big thing. We can just return to who we are in you. And who we are in you is people that through your strength and power, at every turn, in every trouble, in every relational, financial, everything, we choose to serve over selfishness. And we cannot choose that on our own. We need your help. We acknowledge that. We thank you for the spirit of Jesus living inside of us. And I just pray, as we go from this place, we would be excited to experience the joy from living the lifestyle, not to check in a box, the lifestyle of whoever you put us in front of or around. Through this power and strength of Jesus, we are excited to serve them. May we come with that, lead with that. May we be that as a church. In Jesus' name we pray and go. Amen. Don't miss next week, the last service of the year.